0: Hi, welcome back to the Kaiser Report. Now for a real treat. Time to go up to Canada. Oh. You have can to start over at your earpiece is hanging out like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Three, two. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Time now to go up to Canada and speak with Stefan Molyneux of the Freedomainradio.com. Stefan, welcome back to the Kaiser Report.
1: Thanks, Max. Great to be here.
0: All right, um, Stefan, I wanted to pick your brain here. Uh, We are on the brink of chaos, so says every leader of the free world, unless we give them more money. Whether the deficit ceiling or the Euro tarp idea, it's always about more debt. So what's going on?
1: Well, China says, or at least a private Chinese rating agency says or makes the argument that the U.S. has already defaulted through devaluing of the U.S. against uh, other currencies, and that has been enormous and significant. Just over the past 10 years, uh, the US dollar has lost 40% or more. The Dow in its real returns uh, since New Year's Day 2000 has lost almost 34%. And so what's happened is a devaluing of the dollar against other currencies. That, as we know, is a result of two things, uh, which are closely related to US debt. The first is keeping interest rates artificially low. And the second is just printing money. And how is the Fed printing money? Well, as we all know, They're aiming to buy or have bought over $2 trillion of U.S. debt, and they've become pretty much the entire holder of the U.S. mortgage industry. And so if you're paying your visa with your MasterCard, it's pretty clear that you have already shown that you're unable to pay your debt. So the U.S. is functionally in default. It just has these Federal Reserve tricks and shenanigans to prop up the beast a little longer. And so what everybody's talking about are minor tweaks. You know, it's, as they say, arranging the deck chairs on the Titanic long after the iceberg was hit.
0: Now, you talk about the um, rise of the debt versus uh, growth, and going back a few decades, the amount of debt that was increased would generate some appreciable growth in GDP. Going back 30 or 35 years, you had a dollar of debt, you got a dollar's worth of GDP growth. And then as the economy began to suffer from over-indebtedness, and as the banks started to crowd their way into the general economy or the real economy, it took 7 or $8 of debt to create one dollar of GDP, and then around 2007, 2008, you hit this debt saturation level where no amount of debt creation will ever create another unit of growth because you can't, you know, put 10 pounds of garbage into a five-pound garbage bag. It just can't absorb more debt. So this message seems pretty clear. you can't absorb more debt. So why do these policymakers insist on attacking this problem? Like I'm talking, to, you know, Paul Krugman of the New York Times, famously, his solution is to add more debt. How? Why do they keep talking about it? There's no more room, no more debt.
1: Well, look, expecting sane fiscal policy out of the Federal Reserve and state-sponsored and state-supported economists like Paul Krugman is like expecting gambling ad- addicts to suddenly walk away from the table. What is the only solution that the government has when it faces a crisis caused by its own corruption and decadence and thievery? Double down, baby. Double down. Double down. That's all it can do is continue to do the same thing. Now, I think it's important to remember that the political class, like the ruling oligarchs, they're fine. I mean, they've got their holdings probably in Swiss francs and gold, and and that they're all set. They can do whatever they want. It's the average person, and particularly the poor person and the retired person, who is going to face uh, the real calamity when uh, this this mess hits the fans. So. They, they're sort of secure, they've got their escape hatch, they've got their golden parachutes, it's everybody else. So they can continue to mess around uh, without any particular fear of their own finances going in the toilet.
0: All right, you mentioned double down, double down, and it immediately got me thinking of the Martingale betting system. Are you familiar with the Martingale betting system? I am not. Okay, the Martingale betting system is the uh, g- gambling system where you go to the roulette wheel and you bet on red. If you lose, you double up. And if you lose again, you double up. And you keep doubling up on every bet until you eventually hit red, and then you make a lot of money. Now, the problem is you can go broke before you hit red. Now, on Wall Street, they engage in this Martingale betting system because the money that they get to make the bets is free from the Federal Reserve at 0% interest rate, and they never have to pay off any of their losing bets. Meanwhile, the average person who's in the stock market, anytime they suffer a loss, they actually have to suffer a loss. So you've got this diametric opposition in the investing world where people are saying, well, there's a lot of opportunity in the stock market, but it's different if you're on Wall Street and you have unlimited credit and you never suffer a loss. So why do the average people out there, whether it's Canada, America, or or anywhere else in Europe, why do they insist on always getting the short end of the stick? Either they get the worst uh, rates, on their credit cards. They get the worst gambling percentage in the stock market. They get the worst jobs. They get the worst of everything. Why are they settling for the worst of everything?
1: Well, I think that most people are very afraid. I mean, this is gonna be a long-term historical perspective, but I'll I'll keep it short. Most people are very afraid to change the fundamental social order. And what we're talking about here is a fundamental social order that is much closer to fascism than it is to the free market. You do not have a free market when government controls the currency. You do not have democracy when government controls the currency. What you have is a bribeocracy where government prints money and steals from the unborn in order to bribe voters for power in the here and now. So the fundamental system has to be gotten rid of. You have to get rid of government control of currency. Currency has to be privatized. That way you can't run deficits. You can't fund these god-awful wars with fiat currency and debt. Uh, The whole system is going to change fundamentally. You have to get the government out of currency and you have to get the government to stop manipulating the market with interest rates. We all know that the reason that the government is driving down interest rates so much is to bribe its friends, to give them basically free loans at the taxpayer's expense and also to cut down its own costs of having to repay its debt. I mean, if the government had to repay its debt at any kind of reasonable mortgage loan, we'd be in default already. So fundamentally you have to change the system and it has to be a very fundamental change in the system. People are very afraid of that. Sometimes it goes the American revolutionary way, sometimes it goes the Russian revolutionary way or the French revolutionary way. And so people are very scared. They're just gonna kinda huddle and hope things blow over and hope things get better as they have in the past, remember? bailed out the uh, savings loan banks in the 1980s, uh, bailed out long-term capital management in 1998. The bailouts would be going on for a long time. People think, ah, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. This time, it's just not. And until people realize that, they're not going to get off their couches, stop watching TV, take to the streets, take to the blogosphere, uh, confront their neighbors with the falsehoods that they believe until people recognize that the system is dead, done, and buried, they're not going to really advocate for change, and it's taking a while for that to sink in for people.
0: Right, well, savings and loan crisis was bailed out. Also, 1,500 bankers went to jail. Long-term capital management, not only did no bankers go to jail, but Greenspan lowered interest rates, thus having savers and retirees subsidized the bailout and the yacht payments for a few guys in Greenwich, Connecticut. And when you talk about the stealing from the unborn of course, I've always, my contention's always been that this is why the Tea Party is against abortion. is because I need uh, new folks to uh, inherit the debts and to, um, uh, and to go to prison. And let me ask you this, the prison system in America costs $600 billion a year. Uh, is it possible to have a small government in the highest prison population in the world other than what I just mentioned, that the Tea Party need to uh, justify their uh, religious extremism? Well,
1: the Tea Party, sorry, the, the prison system has become just another handout it's become just another subsidized industry which is one of the reasons why you can't get rid of these crazy ridiculous laws like drug laws and sarbanes-oxley and all of these regulations which add up to precisely nothing uh, i mean people say oh well the current crisis was brought about by deregulation when regulations vastly increased uh, under the uh, two uh, bush junior presidencies so uh, no the prison industry and the prison industry is counted in gdp of all the insane things to count in gdp you can people getting sick in GDP, you count the prison system. In GDP, this is complete nonsense. Right, I mean, it's they,
0: totally they, pernicious because the people in prison are working for 16 cents an hour, and but the prison builders and operators are making fabulous wealth on the stock exchange. So they're saying, you see, the economy is growing.
1: Yeah, because, you know, slave labor is such a positive uh, aspect of capitalist economic growth. Of course you'd want to count that. I mean, it's, it, the, the statistics are completely meaningless. We're living in this sort of Pravda house of cards, you know, like the Soviet statistics, the five-year production plans that are going beautifully. I mean, this is all complete nonsense. We're living in a propaganda delusion, and it's not going to take long for this to, uh, to uh, come crushing down and for people to wake up. The only danger, the only danger, Max, and it is a significant danger, which is, I think, why it's so important that we take to the airwaves and yell the truth as much as humanly possible, the great danger, is that people are going to think that freedom is the problem. The problem is coercion. The problem is monopoly. The problem is the violent counterfeiting of currency, the selling off of people's future through the coercive power of the state. It is violence that is causing all of these problems. It is not peace, it is not trade, it is not property rights, it is not freedom, and it certainly is not the free market.
0: All right, now, talking about counterfeiting, uh, the Fed uh, had a little audit thanks to Bernie (laughs) Sanders, and they revealed 16 trillion in loans that were made to foreign banks and J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, and Jamie Dimon got an exemption as part of this bailout uh, money and loan program to add to his other nefarious activities, uh, have you been following that sixteen trillion dollar bailout figure? And why would is America so concerned about bailing out these foreign banks? Unless, of course, America reports to foreign entities.
1: I think America as a whole is pretty clueless about the Fed. It's really complicated. It's pretty abstract, and of course, it's the last thing. They're going to teach you in government schools. In government schools, they're going to teach you how uh, the government ended slavery and the government saved us from Nazism and the Great Depression and the government helps the poor and the sick and the old. You're going to get all that propaganda. You're not going to get the actual basis of government power, which is counterfeiting and theft. So, yeah, it's monstrous. And what is truly astounding about this is the way they're handing out these waivers for conflict of interest. CEO J.P. Morgan Chase served on the New York Fed's board of directors at the same time that his bank received almost $400 billion dollars In financial assistance from the Fed, William Dudley, now the New York Fed president, granted a waiver to keep his uh, investments in AIG and and General Electric at the same time that they're given bailout funds. And the reason that the Fed gave for not making this guy sell his holdings is because they did not want to create the appearance of a conflict of interest. I mean, so it's okay to have a conflict of interest. You just don't want to create an appearance of it. The Fed outsourced all, almost all of its operations for these emergency lending programs to private contractors, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, the usual suspects. These guys all got trillions of dollars in Fed loans at near zero interest rates. And two-thirds of these contracts were no-bid contracts. Uh, Morgan Stanley got over $100 billion to help manage the Fed bailout of AIG. Right. It's this complete, it's, it's complete pig feeding, shark attack, trough feeding at the taxpayer's expense. And it just shows you that The government doesn't have rules. The government is an exemption from rules. It is an exemption from the rule of theft through taxation. It is an exemption of the rule of counterfeiting through the Federal Reserve. And it is an exemption of any reasonable rules of conflict of interest by just handing out, hey, get a waiver, get a waiver, you're fine. It's madness.
0: Right. And this happened uh, in Wells Fargo's case after revelation that through their Recovia subsidiary, they laundered 230 billion in drug money in Mexico that they did not, a uh, claim um, that they, you know, guilt or innocence. They just paid a small civil fine, uh, but uh, the the story, the the tale of the tape, is quite obvious that they got caught red-handed laundering all this money. Well, quick question: Are the people in Canada where you are as screwed up drug-wise, taking drugs, antipsychotics as the people in America?
1: It's pretty close. Uh, (laughs) Do you mean these SSRIs, these sort of um, uh, antidepressants and all that kind of stuff? Well,
0: one one in 66 in America now are are being prescribed antipsychotics, most of them children, because, of course, to get these people thinking about the virtual slave state that they've been imposed upon them would be dangerous. Is it similar in Canada?
1: It is very similar, Max, uh, and it is enormously tragic. I've done some interviews to psychiatrists and done a fair amount of reading on this because it is one of the modern health scandals. Uh, This is the same. I mean, some of these antipsychotics, they're the same drugs that the Soviets used to control dissidents. It's being used in old age homes to to manage, quote, manage, but basically to zombify the inhabitants there. I mean, it's one of the biggest industries. And there's almost zero scientific evidence that it does anything at all. Compared to placebo, it's very, very slightly better, these antidepressants. But... Of course, one of the problems is the antidepressants have side effects, you know, like dry mouth or headaches or whatever. When you give people medication that mimics these side effects, the placebo effect rises to just about exactly the same as antidepressants. So, and, of course, most depression lifts within 6 to 12 weeks on its own, uh, which is exactly as long as these drugs are supposed to take. So it's a huge scam only made possible. And, you know, I hate to return to beat the same drum, but it is a big drum. Uh, It's only made possible by the funding uh, of the government, and uh, it's crowded out talk therapy, which is much more successful over the long run, Uh, and it is just a massive of a drug farm, and particularly, the off-label application of these drugs to children is absolutely criminal, and uh, it's finally being recognized as such, and the uh, FDA is taking some actions against uh, companies that are doing this. They're prescribing these drugs to children of three, four, five, six years old who have uh, mood disorders that, that never tested these drugs on children, on developing brains and systems. It's complete madness, and I, I hope that people are waking up to this.
0: All right, l- one last question. Finally, the latest polls show that Ron Paul could possibly beat Barack Obama in 2012. Is it too late for Ron Paul and his promise to end the Fed, IRS, CIA, foreign military bases, etc.?
1: Uh Yes. Uh, I, I, you <laughs> okay. know, I, I, let me give you a short answer and then a very slightly longer one. With no, I don't stuff. think we
0: have time for the longer one. No, no, it's pretty quick.
1: Don't go anywhere near the government. You don't want to be promoted to the captain of the Titanic after the ship is just about to go down, because then all anyone will remember is a libertarian was in power when everything went down, and it will discredit freedom for another thousand years. So I say steer clear of the mess, stand back, speak the truth, don't get involved.
0: All right, Stephen Molyneux. thanks so much again for being back on the Kaiser Report. Thanks. Well, that's all the time we have for this week of oh, The Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser. I want to thank my guest, Stefan Molyneux. If you want to send me an email, please do so at kaiserreport at r-t-t-v-dot-ru. Until next time, this is Max Kaiser saying bye, y'all.